4: Listen, I'm not. I'm not taking any more chances. We got stuff flying around. We have no control over, and I don't want a board full of these planes hitting every building on the East Coast. This is a national emergency. Everyone lands regardless of destination. That's going to cost billions. That can Just a do, do it. We have
1: hundreds of international flights coming in. They're already in the
4: air. No, no, I don't. I don't want any more international flights crossing the borders. And they don't have to go back where they came from. Nobody's coming into the country from now on. Everyone? Everyone. Shut off the East Coast. Shut off all the internationals from Europe. Shut off South America. Shut off the West Coast. Nothing over the top either. Right, call Canada. Up. Yeah, Canada uh, no, too. We we shut down, down the
2: airspace.
4: No, I can't, I can't accept it. No. Nobody takes off. Land them all. Take a moment.
3: Think about this. We're going to put.
4: We're going to shut down the entire country right now. That's right. Listen, we're at war with someone, and until we figure out what to do about it, we're shutting down. That's it. We're finished.
2: Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. Monday is our 16th anniversary of 9-11. For those of you kids that aren't old enough to remember it, you make sure and listen to the second half of this show. Uh, and for those of you that, uh, haven't thought of it in the last year or haven't thought of it in the last four or five years because it's becoming like, uh, it's becoming like Pearl Harbor is, ah, December 7th. We don't even uh, mention it. It's Pearl Harbor Day. Um, we all lived through that. We all lived through that day and uh about uh 9 years ago I put together a, a special uh that um has become very popular. Put together a special. My show was a half hour at the time so I did, it's a half hour special. Um I took took uh, movie clips and uh news clips and music and um, stuff from all kinds of different sources of uh you know Don and I visited ground zero in uh, in 2002, right after the first anniversary I actually went there to New York for the first time For an arm wrestling tournament It was my last my last uh, competition as a professional arm wrestler um, Not much money in professional arm wrestling But I the, uh, went there uh, for an excuse to travel to New York Never been there And uh, what a patriotic, emotional experience it was And uh, I think that might have been the experience That moved me to be who I am today the guy you hear on, uh, on the main event, and uh, the experience of 9/11 and then, then the experience of uh, visiting Ground Zero. and um, listen up to the second half of this show. It's a 9/11 tribute, and uh, don't forget our listener hotline uh, 855-640-2092. I want to hear what, hear what your thoughts are on, on it are. Um, but that show was pre-recorded uh, nine years ago, so um, believe me, you will like it. You won't get out of your car in the middle of it. Um, but anyway, but before we do the before we do the second half, I'm going to do the first half. And the first half, we're going to talk about what we always talk about: what's going on in in America today. But first, before I get into that, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located right here in Southern California, offices all over the place, licensed California, Arizona, and a couple of different uh, states on the way. Uh, if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855 855- 2020 2020 one last time day or night toll-free area code 855-640-2020 if you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk on the phone because you don't want to say your issues out loud uh go to wccloans.com click on uh loan center and then click apply now put in as much information as you want me to have let me know how much information you want back and tell me how you want us to contact you and you 'll hear back from uh myself or one of my uh, one of my teammates and we will help uh piece together the uh missing pieces of your real estate financing puzzle whether you need to refinance whether you want to buy whether you want to sell whether you want to uh, get a reverse mortgage if you guys are over sixty two and you've got uh you 've got more uh you 've got more more uh, time left in your life than you have money uh, and you need some uh, direction on how to stretch that out, uh, Reverse Mortgage is a great, great program. Uh, give me a call, 855-640-2020. Again, the listener hotline. If you want to make a comment on anything I said on the show, anything you heard, and certainly your comments on the nine eleven special, 855-640-2092. If you uh, hear something you want repeated, go to my website, edhoffman.net. Click on podcast page. I'm also going to put up a uh, a link to the 911 uh, the 911 special as well, so you can hear that. But if you want to hear this pat- this show or any past shows, EdHoffman.net. Click on podcast, and you'll see the links for that. And uh, as well as uh, you can get us on podcast on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes where you can uh, actually uh, listen on demand, or you can uh, have you can subscribe so it downloads once a week uh, to your to your uh, podcast listening device your phone your your iPod your iPad your computer whatever you can uh, listen to I, uh, to uh, uh, podcasts on. Uh, you can also connect with the main event on uh, social media. Uh, follow me at at Ed Hoffman on Twitter or where I tweet about current events all week long and uh, like the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Um, so let's talk about what's going on uh, this week. This week was all other than the hurricane uh, that's coming. It's all about DACA. The white house announced this week that the deferred action, remember, notice what, what DACA stands for deferred action for childhood arrivals. It's not a law. It's a deferred action. You know what that means? Let's put it off till tomorrow. Okay. Hey, we're just not going to deal with you guys today. We're going to defer it to some point. We didn't make it a law. Obama signed it in, executive action. He did a single unilateral move. It uh, wasn't, wasn't a legal law. So it's just a deferred action. Okay? The Obama Immigration Program, otherwise known as DACA or the DREAM Act, would be phased out. So they, uh, they it will be phased out over the next two years with no DACA permits, re, no DACA permit renewals granted after, after October 5th. So uh, just so we're all clear, let me explain what all this stuff means. Okay, here's, DACA was launched by Barack Obama uh, in 2012. As one one of many executive orders throughout his presidency, it was not passed into law by Congress. The program was designed to allow people who were brought to the United States illegally as children to remain in the country. Temporarily. Applicants cannot have serious criminal histories and must have arrived in the United States before two thousand seven. Remember this was passed in two thousand twelve, so you had to be here at least five years already when they and uh and as of two thousand seven you had to be fifteen years of age or younger, which means when he passed it, you had to be twenty years old or older um or older and less than thirty one okay uh, DACA recipients can live and work legally in the United States for renewable two-year periods. So remember, for two-year hey, you you just go sign up for DACA. Hey, I'm a dreamer. I was here for this. You you fill out some papers, and they give you a permit to work for two years, and you can renew it every two years. Okay, temporarily, it has been open to those who are at least 15 years of age. I said that no more than 31 years old. Uh, as of June 15, 2012, the average age for a DACA recipient today is 25. Do you think that that's a coincidence? The average age for a DACA recipient today is twenty-five. Five years after it went into, five years after it it was signed, the average age is twenty-five. So, do you think maybe uh, everybody came in at the very minimum age, or do you think maybe uh, people came in when they heard it was coming? I don't know. We'll I'll uh, expand more on that in a minute. Um, because it just seems peculiar that the average age of people 20 through 31 in 2012, the average age today is 25, which means the average age five years ago was 20. So of all the people that had been here longer than five years, the average age was the absolute minimum you were allowed or the maximum allowed at the time. But you had to be at least 15, had to be at least 15 and no more than 31. Again, all the very minimum age. That seems peculiar to me that the average age would be that since since uh, he announced that in 2007 you had to be 15. So anyway, let's, let's just continue on this. After Attorney General Jeff Sessions made the announcement, he provided context on how Obama forced DACA into his existence and what the immediate consequences were when it happened.
5: The policy was implemented unilaterally to great controversy and legal concern after Congress rejected legislative proposals to extend similar benefits on numerous occasions to this same group of illegal aliens. In other words, the executive branch, through DACA, deliberately sought to achieve what the legislative branch specifically refused to authorize on multiple occasions. Such an open-ended circumvention of immigration laws was an unconstitutional exercise of authority by the executive branch. The effect of this unilateral executive amnesty, among other things, contributed to a surge of minors at the southern border that yielded terrible humanitarian consequences.
2: That yielded terrible humanitarian consequences. So just so you guys know. Just so you guys know, because some of you don't remember five years ago. Some of you guys don't remember ten minutes ago. Some of you guys watched TV last night you didn't even pay attention to what was on. Or, uh, you know, some of you have millennial kids that don't know what's going on um, because they've never paid attention to anything. Okay, if you remember, Obama announced this. And he announced it, and all of a sudden, all this stream of kids, unaccompanied, unaccompanied kids, Okay, started started streaming over the southern border. You remember pictures of of trains coming up from, uh, from Mexico, and all these kids were coming from Nicaragua, Guatemala, Mexico, and they're riding on top of these trains because they, they didn't pay to go, go on a train. They just hopped on the back of them, climbed up on top, and rode them all the way up to the border, and then came across. Because, hey, if you get into America, you get to get deferred action. And if you're 14, you can say... You could say you're 15, and if you're uh, and if you're 25, if you're too old, you can say you're younger than that because there's we have no way of knowing for sure. And if you remember, Trump talked about, hey, you know what? Uh, we're bringing in rapists and all these kinds of bad people from Mexico, and everyone goes, oh, look, he's calling Mexicans rapists. Well, you know where did he get that idea? Because when the people came across and started getting processed processed into this country because hey we got all these minors coming over we can't send them back because they don't have parents with them they told them they were sexually abused on the way over who do you think did that do you think it was uh people from uh, canada that that sexually abused these young girls on the train up from mexico and guatemala and nicaragua from down there no well trump is just being mean Hey, sorry that's the way it is you know what I could elaborate I could elaborate on that but I got a I got a couple of pages of notes here that I got to get over before we finish the first half. So In Tuesday's daily briefing, briefing, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders pointed out that Obama administration allowed the public to misunderstand what DACA actually was in the first place.
6: There's a misconception that DACA primarily serves as a shield from deportation. This is misleading. DACA grants work authorization to nearly 800,000 individuals who are not legally authorized to work. DACA recipients whose average age is in their 20s were not an enforcement priority before and they certainly won't become a priority now. The priorities remain the same. Criminals, security threats, and those who repeatedly violate our immigration laws.
2: So again, it was never a law. And so Trump just got rid of the law that, that lets these these poor kids that came over here illegally with their parents, it, it helps it, lets them... Uh, it, Keeps them uh, safe from being deported. He just got rid of that law. It was never a law. All he did is say, "Congress, do your damn jobs. Do your job." Hey, this needs to get dealt with, and we're gonna say, "Hey, we're taking away DACA. You got six months to to come up with for Congress to deal with it." That same day, the president also took reporter questions. That's where he stated it would be up to Congress to act in order to make it a law.
7: I have a great heart for the folks we're talking about. A great love for them. And people think in terms of children, but they're really young adults. Uh, I have a love for these people, and hopefully now Congress will be able to help them and do it properly. And I can tell you, in speaking to members of Congress, they want to be able to do something and do it right. And really, we have no choice. We have to be able to do something, and I think it's going to work out very well. And long term, it's going to be the right solution.
2: Terrible thing. So, you know what, the so people have the, have this uh this imagine this uh vision of all these little kids. Oh, you can take a young little 13 year old and send him back to Mexico they've never been to Mexico. they don't know what to do. Guess what? These aren't young little kids. these kids are minimum twenty five now they're adults and uh and let me let me continue uh, uh, Donald Trump also tweeted that morning. Congress now has six months to legalize DACA, something the Obama administration was unable to do. If they can't, I'll revisit this issue. All right? Okay. So what's the media say? Here's the media's, oh, my God, moments. Here it goes. This is one of the most
3: cruel acts we've seen in the presidency in a long time. (laughs) And it's, it's the President Obama and President Trump not only disagree on policies, they disagree on values. It's hard for me to see the big picture from a Republican point of view, Joe, going forward
0: and just giving the back of your hand to people who have Hispanic surnames. This whole
7: gaslighting that's come to so many issues, especially racial issues in this country, it's so obvious. It's not even a dog whistle anymore. It's just flat out. Bias, flat out discrimination that they're touting coming from this White House
2: Yeah, I guess this is uh what Dinesh D'Souza and I talked about last week. Nationalism. It's white nationalism, it's it's uh you know what Trump is looking out for America. Oh, it's biased, it's biased, this is a cruel act. wah, wah, wah. it's it's biased. yeah, it's biased towards legal Americans. If you're gonna come to this country, sign the sign the guest book on the way in. Cruel acts puts to question what our values are. You know what? You guys need to you guys need to learn to listen to this stuff and these idiots on TV and be able to think for yourself. This one guy on uh, on Fox this morning says some of these kids aren't going to be able to even apply for get driver's licenses now. Guess what? DACA was put into force five years ago. You got six more months. Six more months. If you haven't gotten a driver's license yet. What are you waiting for? I'll expand some more on that because in a second. And of course, Barack Obama had to chime in. So uh, even though no one asked him, he published a long statement on Facebook page. Here's uh, CNN's Brooke Baldwin reading it very seriously. Let's break this up into two pieces.
6: So I'm just going to sit here and read every single word of this to all of you. This is what we just got from President Obama. He writes, immigration can be a controversial topic, We all want safe, secure borders and a dynamic economy, and people of goodwill can have legitimate disagreements about how to fix our immigration system so that everybody plays by the rules. But that's not what the action that the White House took today is about. This is about young people who grew up in America, kids who study in our schools, young adults who are starting careers, patriots who pledge allegiance to our flag. These dreamers are Americans in their hearts, their minds, in every single way but one. On paper, they were brought to this country by their parents, sometimes even as infants. They may not know a country besides ours. They may not even know a language besides English. They often have no idea they are undocumented until they apply for a job or college or driver's license.
2: Or how about a green card? You know what? Oh, these kids don't know anything. Yes, they do. Maybe they don't know what Mexico is like because maybe they came there when they were little kids and they didn't and they don't remember it. But they knew when they when they applied for uh, for DACA to to be part of the the Dream Act, when they applied, they knew that. Why didn't they apply for for immigration status? Why didn't they apply for a green card? What oh, What about a driver's license? Why didn't they get a driver's license? They're, somehow they got into our colleges. Somehow they figured out how to collect, uh, get an EBT card or uh, get uh, welfare. How do you you know? How did they get a, get that? How did they sign up for Obamacare? How did they get all this stuff? But they're not smart enough to go down to DMV and get a driver's license. They're not smart enough to go to the immigration department and apply for for a green card. Well, hey, you know what they're giving me opportunity to stay here' I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill out the papers and I want to get legal because this because this is a deferred action. it's not a law it's deferred action. Hey, I have a I have a window of opportunity. If they're so wonderful, how come they weren't smart enough to go apply for immigration? I don't know just my thoughts. I could be wrong. Let's play, play another the rest of the, the little statement from uh, Barack insane Obama.
6: Over the years, politicians of both parties have worked together to write legislation that would have told these young people, our young people, he writes, that if your parents brought you here as a child, if you've been here a certain number of years, and if you're willing to go to college or serve in our military, then you'll get a chance to stay and earn your citizenship. And for years while I was president, I asked Congress to send me such a bill. That bill never came. And because it made no sense to expel talented, driven, patriotic young people from the only country they know, solely because of the actions of their parents, my administration acted to lift the shadow of deportation from these young people so that they could continue to contribute to our communities and to our country. We did so based on the well-established legal principle of prosecutorial discretion deployed by Democratic and Republican presidents alike because our immigration enforcement agencies have limited resources, and it makes sense to focus those resources on those who come illegally to this country to do us harm. Deportation of criminals went up. Some 800,000 young people stepped forward, met rigorous requirements, and went through background checks, and America grew stronger as a result. But today, that shadow has been cast over some of our best and brightest young people once again. To target these people is wrong because they have done nothing wrong. It is self-defeating because they want to start new businesses, staff our labs, serve in our military, and otherwise contribute to a country we love. And, President Obama writes, it
2: is cruel. Yeah, it's cruel. It's cruel as hell. You know what? You know, I want to know why everybody feels so sorry for them. Let me tell you about something happened in the mortgage business about, I don't know, nine years ago. They had a thing called uh, the Mortgage Meltdown, and then the Dodd-Frank Act came, and all of a sudden, uh, they, uh, the, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau created a thing called the National Mortgage Licensing System, which means which means everybody had to pass a national mortgage licensing test. You had to do a certain amount of uh, pre, uh, pre-education, and you had like a year to get all this stuff done, and you had to pass a national test and a state test. And at our company, we were all licensed through the Department of Real Estate, which is now known as the Bureau of Real Estate. But there's a guys that, there was guys in this business that worked at banks, didn't have to have any licensing. Okay. All of a sudden, Hey, you all got to be registered. The bank people just had to register. They didn't have to take the test at first, but the rest of us had to take these tests. And we had until December 31st, whatever day it was. And we had to do it. Hey, you know what? And I had people at my company and there's a whole bunch of people in this business that couldn't pass the test. Some people are just bad test takers. They can, they understand the business, but they couldn't pass the test. Guess what? They're out of the business. Now every single year I have to do 8 hours of continuing education plus an extra hour for the state of Arizona and uh for so I got to do that before every December 31st and if I don't do it early in December on January 1st I don't get to originate loans I'm out of business how come nobody has any any compassion for I'm busy I don't have time to do that but these dreamers these young kids that are Mexican that came that came here without a uh, without any uh, papers they weren't legal here Oh, these people are going to get thrown out. You got deferred action five years ago. You got six more months. You haven't done anything about it yet. Are you stupid? There should be a test before you can vote in this country if you can't if you can't spell usa you don't get the vote that would eliminate about 75 percent of the voters some of you guys listening might be the ones like you guys that voted for some of the dumb laws last uh in 2016 like paying 10 cents for plastic bags that we still throw in the that we still throw in the landfills and just make the grocery stores longer hey I, i'm getting off i'm getting off track here Okay, but you know what? Obama had to make his, make his say. He might learn, learn a lesson from uh, President George Bush, and here's what, here's what uh, George Bush said about not criticizing his his successor.
8: It's difficult, and a former president doesn't need to make it harder, as far as I'm concerned. Other presidents have taken different decisions. Uh, that's mine.
2: And surprise, surprise, Obama changed his tune on immigration after he became president. Here's what uh, young Senator Barack Obama said about illegal immigrants in 2005.
7: Uh, you know we are a generous and welcoming people here in the united states but those who enter the country illegally and those who employ them disrespect the rule of law uh, and they are showing disregard for those who are following the law Uh, we simply cannot allow people to pour into the united states undetected undocumented unchecked and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently diligently and lawfully uh, to become immigrants in this country.
2: Then they get elected. They say what they want to say, what you want to hear. Then they get elected, and their whole tune changes. Let's jump over to Chuck Schumer and see what, how he changed his tune.
7: People who enter the United States without our permission are illegal aliens, and illegal aliens should not be treated the same as people who entered the U.S. legally. The president's decision to end DACA was heartless, and it was brainless. When we use phrases like undocumented workers, we convey a message to the American people that their government is not serious about combating illegal immigration. Hundreds, hundreds of thousands of families will be ripped apart. If you don't think it's illegal, you're not going to say it. I think it is illegal and wrong. Tens of thousands of American businesses will lose hardworking employees. A biometric-based employer verification system with tough enforcement and auditing is necessary to significantly diminish the job magnet that attracts illegal aliens to the United States. They may have known no other country but ours and have voluntarily registered themselves. All illegal aliens present in the United States on the date of enactment of our bill must quickly register their presence with the United States government or face imminent deportation.
2: Hey, you know what? I'm out, all out of time for part one, but before, but to uh, to, quote one of my listeners, Roy Smythe, who's a uh, World War II veteran, he says this about immigration, when in doubt, keep them out. Hey, stay tuned, five uh, five minutes of uh, commercials, traffic, and weather, and then part two is my 9-11 tribute, 855-640-2092, call me and tell me what you thought, have a great weekend.
0: I think we're going to have to remember September 11, and it's reality much the same way as we have to remember other horrific events in our history. Because somehow I think it pushes the human consciousness toward finding ways to avoid this in the future. But if you, um, if you if you censor it too much, if you try to find too many euphemisms for what happened, then I think you rob people of the ability to actually relive it and therefore motivate them to prevent it from happening in the future.
2: This is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the September 11th edition of the main event. This week in honor of September 11th I put together a tribute to September 11th consisting of some clips from uh, documentaries, interviews, uh, speeches as well as uh, some movie clips and some music too to commemorate the day that changed our country, changed our world and for many of us changed our lives. Uh, I lost a I lost a high school friend on Flight 77 that hit the Pentagon that day, and uh, my wife and I have visited Ground Zero Ground Zero several times since 2001. So you can bet that we will never forget the impact that the attacks of that day had on our lives and our world. And I hope that you won't either. Uh, this project took a lot of time and effort to put together, so I hope you enjoy listening to it and find it moving and inspirational as I did in the process of creating it. Um, email me your comments at edhoffman at wccloans.com. That's Ed Hoffman E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N, at WCC Loans. I'm interested in, in what you think. Enjoy.
3: On a perfect, almost achingly beautiful late summer morning in early September 2001, a day of seemingly infinite visibility, one man later said. Characterized by the rare and exquisite flying conditions, Airline pilots call severe clear. Life in New York and much of the rest of the contemporary world was changed irrevocably in the space of less than two hours.
0: September 11, 2001 was the worst day in the history of the city. Everyone in the city should remain calm. The very best thing to do right now would be to remain home. I could see from the very beginning with the number of casualties and the tremendous damage that was done. And even the thought that we'd probably be attacked again during that period of time, that this was this is going to be really, really difficult. I'd ask the people of New York City to do everything that they can to cooperate, not to be frightened, to go about their lives as normal. Everything is safe right now in the city. And the people who are doing the relief effort need all the help they can get.
3: At 9.02 a.m., little more than 15 minutes after the attack, millions of people in the metropolitan region and tens of millions more across the country and around the world were staring intently at the smoldering skyline of lower manhattan when a dark shape appeared on the horizon above the new jersey lowlands and came hurtling across the upper bay
0: and then all of a sudden i saw a big explosion of fire and at that point we all concluded obviously it was was a it was a terrorist attack i think that was the first point at which i realized that we were into something different than any, any of us had ever prepared for or any of us had ever thought we would live through I realized I was in some kind of a horrible, awful, horrific human experience I hear
1: people say We don't need this war But I say there's some things Worth fighting for What about our freedom And this piece of ground We didn't get to keep them by backing down They say we don't realize the mess we're getting in Before you start your preaching let me ask you this my friend Have you forgotten how it felt that day to see your home those towers fell we had neighbors still inside going through a living hell and you say we shouldn't worry about bin laden have you forgotten the resolve
8: of our great nation is being tested but make no mistake we will show the world that we will pass this test
5: God bless. I don't know if you guys know it yet, Washington, this country's in war.
4: Listen, I'm not, I'm not taking any more chances. We got stuff flying around we have no control over. And I don't want to board full of these planes hitting every building on the East Coast. This is a national emergency. Everyone lands regardless of destination. That's going to cost billions. Just do it. it.
1: We have hundreds of international flights coming in. They're already in the air. No,
4: no I, don't, I don't want any more international flights crossing the borders. they're going to have to go back where they came from. Nobody's coming into the country from now on. Everyone? Everyone. Shut off the East Coast. Shut up all the international Europe. Shut off South America. Shut off the West Coast. Nothing over the top either.
2: Yeah, Canada Uh, too. You gotta shut down the airspace. I can't accept anybody. Nobody takes off. Land them all. Take a moment.
3: Think about this. We're gonna put we're gonna shut down
4: the entire country right now? That's right. Listen, we're at war with someone. And until we figure out what to do about it, we're shutting down. That's it. We're finished.
0: This was an attack intended to destroy us because we are a country that's built on principles of freedom, and because of free will, people get a chance to distinguish themselves. This wonderful American civilization emerges, which isn't based on any ethnic group, it isn't based on any one race, it isn't based on any one religion, it's based on people believing in freedom.
5: We heard things hitting the sidewalk, and I thought it was debris, I think we all thought it was debris. And the windows on the west side of the building had already been blown out, so as I walked towards those windows, I realized it wasn't debris. these were people. People who were so desperate that they had jumped from whatever stories and they were landing and it was a, a constant, the shrill of the pop as they hit the ground. And think about people so desperate that they would, they would choose that, that way to die. And they had to know they're gonna die. There's no way of, of surviving. And that, that image will never leave.
0: A mother described to me talking to her son on the telephone when the second plane hit. And that's the last time she talked to him. Another family described to me how their loved one had let two elevators go because he was older. And the people in the elevator were younger. And Somehow my, my, my mind went back to the stories and the things you read about the Titanic or you know, people who allowed other people to get on, get on boats and they didn't get on the boat because they were older. And from that moment on, I started thinking, that we will never know all the heroes. We know our uniformed people were heroes. They went there and they died and they gave up their lives bravely trying to save the lives of other people. But what we don't know are all the individual stories of the person who gave up the elevator for another person, the person who calmed someone and got them out of the building, the person who organized their floor so that everybody could evacuate, the person who maybe at the last, in the last moments comforted people when all of them knew they were gonna die.
3: We've got over 300 firefighters that are missing that uh, we can't account for. We believe that many of uh, many of them are, 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 are gone. We don't, um, we'll keep looking. Uh, we have hundreds of people over there now trying to find as many possible locations that they might be in, in some way, in a void or whatever, and um, you know, still be able to breathe and, and still alive but we believe that uh, most of these people I think are, are going to be uh, un- unable to to pull out Pastor I gotta go down there where? New York you, you can't only emergency responders are being allowed in I spent
7: my best years
3: with the Marines God gave me a gift
7: be able to help people to defend our country. I feel them calling on me
0: now for this
7: mission. And then
0: find a way to listen, Dave. And I started thinking about the people that might be trapped. Are there people trapped? If they are trapped, can they survive? And I remember thinking this, I, this is like being in hell. Today is uh, obviously one of the most difficult days in the history of the city and the country. The tragedy that uh, what we're all undergoing right now is something that we've had nightmares about but probably thought wouldn't happen. My heart goes out to all of the innocent victims of this horrible and vicious act of terrorism, acts of terrorism, and our focus now has to be on saving as many lives as possible. What's the status here?
4: The search has been called off. This whole thing is crap, man.
5: Oh, guys are in there. They're dying in there. Looks like God made a curtain with the smoke, shielding us from what we're not yet ready to see. Do we
3: know the number of casualties at this point, sir?
0: I don't. I don't think we we really want to speculate about that. The number of casualties will be more than any any of us can bear, ultimately, and I don't think we want to speculate on the number of casualties. The effort now has to be to save as many people as possible.
7: United States Marines, anyone can hear me, yell or tap.
0: Some of the information was too brutal. I think I said that day that I don't think people could handle the full implications. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me that Beth's husband was Terry Haddon, who who was the captain of Rescue One. And I looked over and I said to her, was Terry working today? And she said, yes. And his tears came down her eyes.
6: She looked at me and she said, he's dead. And I got angry. I said, you don't know that, Beth, you don't know that. And she said, yeah, I know that. I felt it, and I know that. I was standing on the steps of City Hall.
8: We all looked up, and I knew that Terry would have been And one of the the highest floor that he could get to in that building, because that's just what his company does. And when I saw the building come down, I knew that he had no chance. His friend Tim told me that he saw Terry going in, and Terry said to him, we may not be seeing each other again, and kissed him on the cheek, and ran up the stairs.
5: We lost all those firemen. We lost police. We had this fantastic contradiction of people who hated you so much that they were willing to give up their life to take yours and people who loved humanity so much that they were willing to run into the darn building in the smoke and flame and just to save the life of somebody they never met and that ineffably beautiful there's no better definition of love there's no there's no more inspirational, no more inspiring, no more near-to-saintly conduct that you can think of than what they demonstrated.
0: Everybody should in their own way say, say a prayer and ask God for help and for assistance and, uh, and also ask God to give us the strength to overcome this because I know we're, we're going to need strength to overcome it and I want the people of New York to be an example to the rest of the country and the rest of the world that terrorism can't stop us. American democracy is much stronger than uh, vicious, cowardly terrorists, and we're going to overcome it.
3: If you can hear me yell or tap,
5: we hear you! Hey! <laughs> Keep yelling! <laughs> 813! beating down!
2: Gotcha! Hang on, hang on, okay? Don't leave
4: it. we will be here a long time. We're
1: not leaving you,
4: buddy. We're Marines. You are our mission. <laughs> that's great. Oh,
1: that's great. He took all the footage off my TV. Said it's too disturbing for you and me. It'll just breed anger. That's what the experts say. If it was up to me, I'd show it every day. Some say this country is just out looking for a fight After 9-11, man, I'd have to say that's right Have you forgotten how it felt that day to see your homeland under fire And her people blown away Have you forgotten when those towers fell Still inside, going through living hell, and we vowed to get the ones behind me. Have you forgot? I want you all to know that America today, America
8: today is on bended knee in prayer for the people whose lives were lost here. For the workers who work here, for the families who mourn, this nation stands with the good people of New York City and New Jersey and Connecticut as we mourn the loss of thousands
4: of our citizens.
1: I can hear you! I can hear you! The rest of the world
8: hears you, and the people, and the people who knock these buildings down
1: will
5: hear all of us soon. Shea Stadium served as a staging area for rescue supplies, and the New York Mets baseball team, overlooking its exalted status, banded together with other volunteers.
3: We got a we got a
1: box of T-shirts here.
5: People came in from Wall Street who had walked home and two
3: days later, you know, I need to do something. I have to help. What can I do? I had that same feeling that that so many uh, other Americans had of just, I needed to
5: do something. The Yankees, too, pitched in. Following the team's first post-9-11 gathering, manager Joe Torrey led a group of players on a goodwill trip downtown. We went to the armory, which was the most emotional, and we didn't really
0: know if we should be there. This is where families were all gathered to wait on word if their loved ones were alive. And if they weren't alive, uh, evidence that they weren't alive, so they were doing DNA samplings. I remember one very poignant moment when Bernie Williams went up to this woman and he was sort of fumbling and he, and he says, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. He says, but you look like you need a hug. And he put his arms around her and I, and I think sort of broke the ice to see that, you know, these people needed this. And I think at that point in time, I realized that there was a role for us.
3: But I'll never forget where I was, and I'll never forget that day. And I remember taking a bus home at night at about 11:30 at Amsterdam on 116th Street, and how quiet the street was. There was an eerie silence, like nothing I'd seen in more than 30 years of working there. And then I remember when the bus came that there was a sign around the little box there that said, "No fare today." And I remember sitting on the bus. And sitting opposite a young woman who was just crying. And I remember when I got off the bus at 83rd Street, she was still crying. I remember just putting my hand on her shoulder and I said nothing and she said nothing and I got off. But I'll always remember that woman.
0: We have to cry and we have to mourn and we have to feel terrible and awful And on the way over here, I cried in my van because I had to go to the morgue to identify some. But the tears have to make you stronger. Every time you cry, you have to remember that we're right and they're wrong.
5: In the aftermath of September 11th, the mood of the country changed. Baseball games became communal gathering places for fans to express their emotions. And as much of the country turned a sympathetic eye to New York...
1: The Red Sox ask you to join us in a tribute to the spirit of the people of New York.
5: The city's baseball teams became the objects of affection. I could not, under any circumstances,
0: ever imagine cheering for the Yankees. But I think America's sense of New York changed in September 11th and and the days afterwards. The face of New York changed. It was 343 New York firefighters who walked into the fires of hell to save strangers.
5: And it becomes very difficult to hate the Yankees. Another reason for the heightened security was the appearance of a guest from Washington. All of a
3: sudden there was
2: a knock at the door
3: and President Bush walked into our room.
2: Well, when you're president, all you have to do is say you're showing up. And they kind of ask you to throw out the first pitch, no matter what time of year it is.
8: So I go underneath the Yankee Stadium, in the bowels of Yankee Stadium, and there's a hitting cage there. And he's wearing his bulletproof jacket,
0: and he's getting his arm loose, and
1: Derek Jeter comes up to him. So I just asked him if he was going to be throwing the first pitch from the mound or in front of the mound.
2: The president said, I think I'll throw from the base of the mound. Jeter said, I want to do that if I are you, Mr. President. And I told him, uh, you better throw
1: it from the mound, otherwise you're going to get booed. I said, "This, this is Yankee Stadium. I said, okay, I'll throw
8: from the mound. And he's walking out, and he looks over his shoulder, and he says, don't bounce it, they'll boo you. All of a sudden, the pressure mounted.
3: The President of the United States.
8: I'd never felt what I'd felt before when I walked out of that dugout. I felt the raw emotion of the
7: Yankee fans.
1: USA! USA! USA!
7: USA! USA! The crowd just erupts in a chant of USA. There is nothing like it that I've ever experienced at a ballgame. It was
4: overwhelming. It was just overwhelming.
3: President Bush is standing out there like a brick wall. I'm not afraid of terrorists. I'm going to stand all out here. I'm going to give you a thumbs up, and I'm going to throw a strike.
0: I didn't vote for him, but at that point, my personal feelings about him as a politician is gone. I watched him, and he was my representative, and I had never felt that way before.
3: Very nice throw, Mr. President. Good stuff, good stuff.
0: At that
7: moment, everybody there was there for baseball and to show the world that in spite of what can happen to us, We'll pull ourselves together, and what is our life and our way of life will continue. United we stand.
8: We stand together in the face of this threat. We will play baseball in the midst of the the beginnings of this war. No matter what the threat may be to us, the United States of America will stand strong and will never be intimidated.
1: Have you forgotten all the people killed? Somewhere down like heroes In that Pennsylvania field. you feel Have you forgotten About our Pentagon All the loved ones that we lost And those left to carry on Don't you tell me not to worry about been lost Have you forgotten, have you forgotten,
5: have you forgotten? One of the tricks in life is to convert everything into good. You're a sculptor and you have a stone and the stone has a scar in it. And well, all right, so now you have to sculpt around that scar and you've got to use that scar to, to make it part of whatever it is you're going to produce that's beautiful. And um, work with what you have. Play it as it lies. You know? So whatever the circumstance, you know, use it for good purpose. 9-11, how can you possibly use it for good purpose? You think about it. You think, as uh, we've suggested before, you think about, look, What this reminds you of is the importance of your own life and making the most of it, because you you can lose it in a flash. And if that's all you learned from 9-11, if that's all you remembered, that, my God, you could extinguish life so suddenly, so unexpectedly, and it could happen to me, and therefore, I should think harder about the way I spend my life instead of just wasting it. Now, it's not going to teach you what to do with your life, but it will teach you to do with your life.
2: Thanks for listening to the September 11th edition of the main event. Email me your comments at Ed Hoffman, E D H O F F M A N, at WCCloans.com. My name is Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back with my regular show for you next week. God bless.
1: A prayer.